0: Every three weeks, Father Jeffrey and I release an hour-long episode regarding an aspect of Orthodox life. However, only patrons get access to the last half hour of our discussion. If you'd like to hear the rest of this conversation, you can head over to pryingpriest.com support. But for now, enjoy the first half of this double feature. Welcome, Father Jeffrey Reddy, and welcome listeners to another episode of Enacting the Kingdom in our liturgical series. Uh, We are excited to begin. We're not doing a full new series like we have done in the past with other parts of Vespers, but we're doing a one episode special on the Procumina, on the Procumina of Vespers. And Father Jeffrey, just like any good conversation, I think we have to start with defining terms. Absolutely. Prokimenon. So I I actually have the Wikipedia page opened up here on the Mm -hmm. page Prokimenon, which is the singular form, and Prokimenon, which is the plural form, as far as I understand. And it defines it as literally meaning that which precedes. Mm -hmm. That which precedes. And it's based on that definition that in the service books that I put together, I usually don't call it a prokimenon or a Prokemena because who, who knows what that is um, except for kind of Orthodox people that are in the know. Um, and even Orthodox people that are in the know doesn't, they don't actually know what it means, but they just know kind of the, what the actual hymn is. Um, I actually call it a prelude verse. sort mm-hmm. of like the verse that comes before, um, not sure what you think of, uh, of my attempt at making it into English, but, uh, For better or for
1: worse, that's what I've done in a few of my books. Well, I mean, this is precisely the question we're, you know, presented with throughout, you know, kind of spiritual and liturgical life. Do you transliterate a Greek word and and make a new word in English, or do you actually render it, you know, into a a word or a term that we're already familiar with? So are you, you know, uh, presbyteros a presbyter or are you uh, an elder right um, mm. you know we use the word deacon or we could have used the word servant we use the word bishop we could have used overseer we we tell people that they're being baptized whereas we should be saying they're being dipped um or immersed perhaps. But mm-hmm. uh, but absolutely, I, I, I'm all for making things comprehensible uh, wherever possible. So, and you're probably quite right that even the most kind of gifted and experienced chanter might be hard-pressed to tell you exactly what a prokemenon is, except that they probably recognize one if they see one.
0: Right, yeah. So, then maybe we could talk about the form of a prokemenon, of one prokemenon. So, as far as I understand, uh, it is um, uh, uh, selected verses from Psalms. So usually you, usually you pick one Psalm. Uh, you pick one verse from one Psalm, right? It might be the first verse or the fifth verse, but an important verse, uh, one verse that sort of encapsulates the whole meaning of the Psalm. And then that becomes the refrain, right? That might be sung by the congregation or sung by the chanter. And then you have uh, one or two or sometimes more uh psalm verses from that psalm that are read and then the refrain is repeated of that main psalm so it's it's almost this um, antiphonal give and take call and response way of
1: singing and chanting a psalm is that about right yeah absolutely and you know the the history of this obviously would be that you know from time immemorial uh and right back to Old Testament times, the Psalms were sung kind of precisely in this way, responsorially or, you know, antiphonally, uh, you know, where where one of the verses becomes a refrain. And, you know, even embedded in some of the Psalms, we see that structure. So if you went to something like uh, Psalm, 135, 136 in the Hebrew, uh, which we know is one of the Psalms in the Polioleos at Matins, the, the many mercies. But, you know, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then, oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. So right back to when this Psalm was being written down, the actual refrain was, was kind of built into it. So we know that this was exactly the style of, uh, the way that the Psalms and those prayers were taken up and used liturgically and, and so forth. So even where it's not embedded into the very Psalm itself, as we see in some examples, uh, you know, that's, that's how all the Psalms would tend to be used. And so that, that tradition has just continued, uh, into what we call the perkimenon or pre- prelude verse. And, um, what tends to, we think was probably the case in the early churches that these were, you know, whole psalms that were used uh, this way, and so one of the verses would be picked out as the refrain, but the whole psalm would be used. But by the time we get to, you know, the first manuscripts and books of liturgy that we have, we have these very short excerpts that are are used that we would recognize today as the the Perkimina. Um There is a whole Western tradition of this as well. It's uh, if you're familiar with um, Roman rite or Ambrosian rite and other. Um, forms of western liturgy it's they're usually called the gradual um and again it's just the same kind of thing sim small bits of verses pulled out with a refrain and they were called graduals there because it was typically sung you know on the the steps of the amvon of of the the kind of raised area in in the middle of the church and so a gradual is a step right so which is appropriate some of these psalms are actually hymns of degrees anyway so about the going up the the gradual um psalms um that we we have you know that whole series from from the Psalter so in uh, oh, this is a long standing tradition it's it's a it's a way where everybody doesn't have a, a hymn book or a bible in their pew you know can participate in the liturgy in a a meaningful way because they have this kind of easily learned refrain that they can respond to these excerpts from the Psalms.
0: I want to observe something, and and that is that I don't think that this call and response thing is somehow bound just in this religious sphere of life. Mm. I think there's something really deeply humanly satisfying about singing or chanting in a call and response fashion, right? So if you think about rock and roll concerts, Mm -hmm. right? Call Mm -hmm. and response happens all the time. If you think about sporting events where you have the different crowds singing different uh, aspects or the speakers will um, make sounds that you want to respond to. And I find I've been at baseball games where they do that and you just want to yell charge because that's just that's just what you do as a human right you have to participate in that, I thought way. that was
1: at vespers you did that for uh, yes yeah.
0: that, that's how i get people um invested in the service uh, you know the prelude verse is in the fifth tone um yeah so i i think that this whole call and response thing is just something we do as humans right it's it's a natural thing and and, and what we do is we've brought it you know into or we've expressed our worship in this way in this particular section of Vespers and, and other services as well. So I just, wanted to, um, I just wanted to observe that because I think sometimes we think that the church does things so much differently than the rest of the world. And, and I think that the church actually picks up on those important parts of what it means to be human and, and baptizes them, so to speak.
1: Yeah, certainly liturgy overall should be working with how we are constituted as human beings right i mean it's meant to be formative and mm-hmm. so therefore it has to draw us in body and soul and we've already talked you know throughout the first part of Vespers and the different podcasts we've done about the different ways that we can embody and enact what's going on through the the ritual and so forth i mean i i think you know sometimes we see the world doing this a little bit better right i mean the we maybe have shied away from, you know, certain aspects of that. Things have become a little bit too sedate or calm, or you know, we've we've outsourced the that kind of call and response thing maybe just to certain, you know, uh, representative uh, chanters or, or whatever. And and we, I think we need to be careful there because you know, as you say, this is exactly the way in which everyone can be drawn into and and really sort of enter the 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 mystery the the themes the the prayer the worship of the community in in a deep way and we can see right back to the old testament how this was exactly what the people were being asked to to do and if we were to say well actually no in orthodox church we only have a few people who sing or we only have a few people who do the responses on behalf of everyone else I mean there's a slight danger there that we're maybe disenfranchising people and and therefore asking them not to fully participate as, as much as they they could and and therefore you know we lose some of the the meaning and the formative value of of the service so yeah i think you're absolutely right if people are finding this at the baseball stadium or they're finding it in the rock concert uh you know and not in church we need to probably ask ourselves why that level of engagement, you know, isn't happening. It's not about saying, you know, the, the deacon has to start body surfing in the crowd or, or anything like this. But, um, but in terms of you know giving people opportunities to respond in this way, you know, th- this was what why it was set up this way. It wasn't just set up to have a pretty uh, way of composing music so that the cantor can can do his thing. It's it was exactly to involve people in, in the service at this point in, in this kind of meaningful way.
0: So one of the main aspects of a prokimenon or of the prokimena is that it is quite thematic. Right? It, it is picked for a particular reason based on the service that you're serving at. Mm-hmm. Right? One of the most famous prokimenon. if we were to start at perhaps the most solemn and greatest uh, events. right. So if you think about Easter Sunday, in the, ap- the afternoon of Easter Sunday, when you gather for Vespers, or the afternoon of Christmas Day, when you gather for Vespers, you have what's called uh, the Great Procumenon right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the refrain is, who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders, right? So it's it's a particular verse and a particular psalm that's chosen to emphasize the solemnity and the importance of that day. And uh, Father Jeffrey, what I think I would like to do is to actually go through the prokimena that are done on particular days of the week, starting with Saturday evening, right? right. So the, the Vesper service that everyone that's listening, if you're familiar with Vespers, you are almost guaranteed to be very familiar with Saturday evening, great Vespers. So the eve of Sunday, the first service of the, the, the day of the resurrection. And Sundays, of course, are in, in the weekly cycle. Every single day of the week has its own thematic um, themes. Uh, and Sunday is the resurrection, So then we have Psalm 92. And of course, that would be 93 in um, Bibles that follow the Masoretic numbering. But we're following uh, the way that they appear in Orthodox liturgical books. So Psalm 92. Father Jeffrey, would you mind giving a quick rundown of... Actually, would you be okay if I actually read the entire Psalm? Yeah, that's a good idea. And then we could pick out uh, different aspects. So I will read the entirety of Psalm 92. It's just five verses. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He has established the world. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. More majestic than the thunders of mighty waters, more majestic than the waves of the sea, majestic on high is the Lord. Your decrees are very sure. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Yeah, so Father Jeffrey, do you mind giving us a bit of a walkthrough of why this psalm would be chosen to coincide with the theme of the resurrection and the the kind of the, yeah, the resurrection?
1: Of course. So, I mean, we clearly have here a psalm that celebrates, you know, God reigning over the whole world, right? Here, the Lord is king. And... His majesty is what is being, you know, celebrated here. So where are the, the kind of particular resurrection, you know, themes? Well, of course, in the resurrection, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, if you familiar with the whole, you know, cycle of the octoichos, the, the, the eight tones across those eight weeks, we sing of, you know, the resurrection being god's triumph over death you know he shows his sovereign majesty and power by dying on a cross confronting the powers of death and evil and of hades and triumphing over that so the the resurrection is presented in this victorious triumphant royal kingly fashion right so the 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 robing in majesty then takes on this dimension it wasn't there obviously in the original you know hebrew conception in the psalm but now it takes on this this notion of christ has clothed himself with the power of the resurrection you know the this is the full human being triumphing over death and so he is robed in majesty girded with strength and it is on this resurrection that the world is being recreated, reestablished so that it will never be moved. And out of that, you know, kind of comes this holiness that will permeate all of creation for, you know, unto ages of ages. So those are the verses that that get picked out here, um, you know, leaving aside verses that we actually quote in a different context, actually in the um, Prothesis or Proscomedia preparation of the gifts before liturgy the same psalm is used but we include there the the ver- verses about the floods have lifted up their voice and they're roaring and more majestic than the thunder of many waters but those are laid, as- laid aside on a saturday evening the procimenon it's one of the longer procimena because it has you know three verses uh, in addition to the refrain But we pick out all of those verses that refer to the the triumph and majesty and power and sovereign might of, of God, which is reflective of the resurrection themes of the day
0: the podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom father jeffrey and i actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast this private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to this private podcast, go to pryingpriest.com. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. And I noticed that this Prokemenon is actually different because most Prokemenon are, it's one psalm verse, which is the refrain. And then you have only one other psalm verse that is read once, and then you do the refrain and that's it. Whereas this actually has multiple psalm verses
1: as these um, interspersed verses between the refrain. Mm-hmm. It's something we see with the great procurement. You mentioned that on, on the kind of really big you know, feasts throughout the year, but the mm-hmm. fact that every Saturday evening, therefore every Sunday, uh, you know, service at Vespers, we have the these extra verses, indicates just how important and how you know high up the festal calendar a resurrection service is. People don't necessarily realize that, but every Sunday has the kind of feast of the Lord ranking, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it has a lot of, you know, it pushes an awful lot of other stuff out of the way in order you know to to celebrate the resurrection every week it's a it's a great feast we should be preparing for it and entering into it and celebrating it on that level and so one of those little indications is how many verses we have on on the perkemonon which we don't have you know on on the sunday evening through friday evening uh vesper services mm-hmm
0: were there any final thoughts you wanted to give on this Psalm 92 and the Procumenon of, of Saturday evening, Father Jeffrey, before we move on to the others?
1: Um, I suppose the only other aspect is uh, the, the establishment of the world. The other thing that occurs to me is the the kind of the incorruptibility uh, yeah. of the new creation that, that comes to mind, because it's another one of those very often uh celebrated themes in the the resurrection cycle and so forth. And so this this establishing the world so that it shall never be moved is also, you know, in the you know kind of Greek patristic mindset, the Orthodox worldview, touches on this thing of incorruptibility. And, and it's often spoken of that when our Lord died on the cross and you know his body was not allowed to see corruption and this is one of the aspects of that sovereign power of god although he allows himself to be to be put to death voluntarily there is no corruption and that that incorruptibility is part and parcel of the new resurrection life and so this this idea of you know this isn't just you know, God's sovereign might over there in a corner, we can look at it or we can observe it. But this is this is part of what that new creation is about, that this not being moved, not being corruptible. Not, you know, when we participate fully in that resurrection life, it will be for all time. It will be established. It will be made sure. And I guess that's one of the the other aspects of God's rule that is shared through the resurrection is this kind of ongoing power and might and and indestructibility and i think that's that's one of the things that always comes to mind when i'm um you know singing this on a, on a saturday evening is just you know it seems like we're standing on very sure ground indeed by by singing this and of course where is this happening in the service of course we've gone through you know the that the whole lamp lighting psalms and culminating in the the entrance with the Fossilaron that we talked about the the hymn that celebrates Christ's light coming in and, and vanquishing over the darkness and so forth. And we've come and we've, the peace of God has been shared. And in that place, we are standing on firm ground, this kind of incorruptible, indestructible, almighty power of God. It's a, it's a actually very moving moment if you, you know, kind enter into the fullness of what that psalm is pointing us to. Mm-hmm.
0: So I have actually for uh, not for this Prokemonon, but for the subsequent Procumenon, uh Prokemenon for the rest of the week, weekly Vespers, I actually have recordings of me and my wife Niyla singing them. So what I'm gonna do right now is play the Prokimenon for Sunday evening Vespers, and these these recordings are actually taken from the unceasing. Um, digital chapel podcast, which is, it has uh, matins and vespers every single day of the week, except for Saturday evening and Sunday morning, because I expect people actually go to their own church (laughs) on Saturday evening and Sunday morning. But uh, for those that can't go during the week, there's um, these services, vespers and matins, you can actually listen on that podcast. It's called Unceasing. So yeah, I'm going to play that right now. And then we're going to jump into talking about the Sunday Procumenon.
2: The evening prelude verse in the eighth tone. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. You who serve in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of
0: the Lord. All right, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, from Psalm 133. So this is Sunday evening. So you can imagine you've gone to church on Sunday morning, resurrection. You know all that all that light, and then you come back. It, the sun is setting on Sunday night. You're about to begin perhaps your new work week. Um, and we sing, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Father Jeffrey, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the theme of Monday and how this might fit in?
1: Sure. So this is one of the Psalms of Ascent that I um, referred to before. So I mean, picture temple in, in Jerusalem is on a hill and there are many, many steps that have to be walked up in order to get to the temple. So going to church, as it were, is always an ascent, is always a, a rising up. And so you have this whole series of psalms that are one after another from around 120 to 135. Um, don't quote me on the exact numbers there, but um, those are called the hymns of ascents or songs of ascents so this is a very short one only three verses um, come bless the lord all you servants of the lord who stand by night in the house of the lord lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the lord so this lifting up may the lord maker of heaven and earth bless you from zion so this wonderful invitation to rise up to 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 come into the presence of god on high well why is this suitable on mondays as you may remember, in the this the, the every day of the week um, has a different theme, and the theme of Mondays is the angelic powers the those who surround the throne of God, those who are eternally in God's presence and pray giving praise to God. So, in a way, as we ascend into that place of worship to that holy place to zion to join together inviting others to come and join with us who do we remember those who are kind of perpetually there every time we enter into prayer and worship we are joining together with the angelic hosts with the bodiless powers um, and we give them special attention on mondays and so it makes perfect sense that this would have been the psalm that was chosen uh in order to uh you know kind of Bring to mind those servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. This standing by night being a kind of metaphor for those who are there all the time. Because if you're going to be mm-hmm. at church at night, you know, you're probably there an awful lot of the time. So it's a kind of metaphorical expression for the, the unceasing worship, the, the everlasting praise that is is in the court of God, and so we're invited to enter into that.
0: Uh, just a reminder to our uh, audience uh, who just 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 to make a hundred percent sure that when we come to vespers on, let's say, a Sunday evening, we are already celebrating that the the theme of Monday. We're looking forward to that Monday. Those Monday themes. Um, That's right. Yeah.
1: So the the day liturgically begins at sunset. And right. So, uh, I mean, technically anything at this point in the vesper service is of the next day. And that's why we were referring to, as uh, we just did, Sunday evening being the theme of Monday, as we did with Saturday evening for Sunday.
0: All right. So we are going to, I will play the clip of me and my wife, Nikaila, singing the prokimenon that we would sing on Monday night. Here we go.
2: The evening prelude verse in the fourth tone, the Lord hears me when I call on him. The Lord hears me when I call on him. When I call, answer me, O God of righteousness. The Lord hears me when I call. The Lord hears me. When I call
0: on him. All right, the Lord hears me when I call on him. So we have two different texts in front of us, Father Jeffrey. Uh, the Lord Hears Me When I Call on Him is the text that was set to music that we use here at St. Maria's. But there's also uh, the text here that you have, which has "Answer me when I call, O God of my uh, of my right." Um, Could you speak a bit about maybe some of the differences in Psalm translations? And because I'm sure people go to church to church, they
1: might hear different different translations, and it can get confusing. Of course, it can. And uh, you know, in addition to just the fact that we have such a multiplicity of English translations, anyway, even if the same underlying original text were there, we seem to find countless ways of. Of translating, which is very unfortunate, I have to say, just as an aside. I mean, these are texts we should be remembering and memorizing. And we've talked about this call and response and how much easier would it be if we only had one version of, of every text um, in our minds, like you would in many other languages, including people who are worshipping in, in the original. But uh, the, the fact is, it's it's endlessly confusing that way. But of course, underlying the Psalter, um, we have the Hebrew text and we have the Septuagint. Text, uh, we don't need to get into a, a debate as to which is the older, because that's not at all you know clear. Because the the Hebrew text we have is uh, in extant is from you know, ninth, 10th century, in many cases, some snippets of things before that, we have older versions of of Greek, but of course, the Hebrew was translated into the Greek, but we just don't know which version, you know, came from, from which period. So we have two sort of whole textual traditions and leaving aside variants even amongst those, you have the Hebrew and the Greek text. A lot of the time, They're very close, right? That The Greek does really represent some kind of translation directly of, of the Hebrew. Other times there are variances in terms of vocabulary, sentence structure, and that sort of thing. So here's just a very simple example. The same thought is being expressed in the Hebrew. It's directed directly towards God. Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. So it's a directed second person towards God. But what you had in what was just sung, uh, and that what you'll find in most liturgical books of, of the Orthodox Church, is a rendering from the Septuagint where it's in the third person, right? The Lord hears when I call or when I cry to him. Uh, same idea, it's just... the. The Greek, whether the Greek represents the more original Hebrew here or not, I suppose is what I was trying to get at earlier. when I was saying we can't really debate, you know, w- which came from which, but there is just two different textual traditions here. But mm-hmm. same thought, same theme. Certainly. Right, right. And by so, the by the time you get to the, the, the responsive uh, verse, it is actually in both cases addressing God in the second person. Right. right.
0: So when we look at the themes of the day, so you had Sunday, which is the resurrection, and the Prokumenon reflected that. You had Monday, which is the angels and the spiritual beings who exist around the throne of God. That is reflected, I think, in the prelude verse. But I'm finding it hard to connect this particular prelude verse with the theme of Tuesday, which is John the Baptist. Would you be able to speak a little bit to to that?
1: Sure. Well, so John the Baptist Saint John the foreigner is uh noted primarily for the expression of and the call to repentance right so that overall theme of you know and if you're kind of moving through the week you might say okay well we've been in the angelic courts of god or we've been called to be there but our response to that in some ways is we are not worthy we need to repent we need to turn from you know the things of this world we need to be delivered you know from our sins from the things that weigh us down, if we are indeed to ascend into the courts of God to worship with the angels and so forth. And of course, St. John the Foreigner himself has this kind of angelic quality about him, often depicted with, with wings for that kind of messenger, uh, you know, of God, you know, theme and so forth. So overall, you think of St. John the Baptist, you think of repentance, you think of turning from you know, what all the idols and enemies of God towards God Himself. And so, you know, the psalm here that's chosen uh, in Psalm 4 is one of, you know, deliverance from enemies, about being, uh, about calling upon God, about being delivered from distress and from all of the things uh, that, that weigh us down, that keep us from being able to kind of worship fully in, in God's presence and so forth. So, you know, it maybe is a, a little bit more of a tangent or a stretch here, but uh, I think the theme is still evoked in in a kind of overall sense you know the if you go on to read a little bit more of of the psalm, which of course people would been uh, would have been expected to know right so uh you know part of this thing about saying you know, we're only doing short excerpts from the psalms isn't to excuse you from knowing the full psalm so The fact that this is quoted instantly in your mind should come the rest of the theme of that psalm, even if we're not using those verses, you know, the, the idea of, you know, you know, God setting apart the faithful for himself, you know, bringing people from, from darkness into light, bringing them from sin into, into his grace, into covenant relationship and so forth. So all of those themes of repentance are evoked throughout the psalm. And so appropriate, I suppose, for Saint John the Baptist.
0: Can we, Before we move on to the next uh, prelude verse or prokimenon, can we talk a little bit about the placement of prokimenon? Because they're called you know, prokimenon, what, what comes before, or the prelude verse. And then that begs the question, well, what comes after, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and it seems that scripture readings come after. Is, is that 100% the case with prokimenon? Should be.
1: Which I mean, it oddly came to mind immediately when you said, Well, we render this prelude verse. Well, the thing I thought of was, Well, that's going to make people ask the question, a prelude to what? Um, Mm -hmm, Whereas mm -hmm. a prokimenon, you know, because people don't know that means that, you know, it doesn't necessarily uh, get people asking the question, Well, shouldn't there have been something after? Right. Mm -hmm. And it is the case. We know that for the longest time, uh, there were you know scripture readings at every Vesper service, every Vesper service not just you know we're we're comfortable with that happening on the eves of feasts um you know, and to, to, to a great extent, you know, sometimes we get 15 or 13 or, or eight readings, uh, on some of the, the, the bigger feasts, uh, and, and usually from the Old Testament, sometimes, uh, there are New Testament readings, particularly when apostles and others are being celebrated. But, you know, so on a, on a great Vespers, it's not uncommon to have Old Testament readings. Three or uh, or more at this point. And of course, then the prokimenon obviously plays that role of being the prelude verse to those readings, just like at Divine Liturgy, we're used to the prokimenon happening, you know, right before the Epistle reading. Uh, and then, of course, there's another kind of call and response with the Alleluia verses, which, which follow. Um, so this is, it's, this exists in the, in the Western church as well. I mentioned the gradual. There's graduals and there's Alleluia's that are, that are done in a similar sort of way. But in those cases, you know, these are wrapping around scripture readings. Well, we lost the Old Testament readings at Vespers, except on the eaves of great feasts and except at, you know, um, you know, during Lent, where there's uh, readings appointed for for every day. And uh, there have been various attempts to, to kind of revive that. We actually at uh, Holy Merbers follow a, a, an Old Testament lectionary, which gives us readings to do uh, even in the most basic daily Vespers every time of the year. So we hear a lot of Old Testament that way, and it does restore the point of a on or Prelude verse, actually leading you into the reading of the day, which is what it's supposed to do.
0: Yes, St. Maria followed your lead on that. So we follow, um, I believe, the same lectionary um, as you. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very nice to actually do a Prelude verse and then uh, actually read a reading, which is on theme. So Indeed. You've just finished listening to another public episode of Enacting the Kingdom. If you're getting value from this podcast and you'd like to support the show, you can head over to pryingpriest.com to become a patron. Also, five-star ratings with written reviews go a long way to getting the word out there about this show. Also, since Enacting the Kingdom is social media free, any word-of-mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next time.